Be sure to catch live editions of Rogan and Rodney weekdays at noon on AM 570 LA Sports. And don't miss the FNA podcast with show producer Kevin Figures and Clippers host Adam Oslin on the iHeartRadio app. Portions of the following program were pre-recorded. AM 570 KLAC, 98.7 KYSR, HD2. Los Angeles. Available anywhere using the iHeartRadio app. AM 570. An L.A. sports icon. Fred Rogan is here tonight. Decades on your television covering Los Angeles sports. Fred Rogan, huge in Los Angeles. The Dean. I'm the Dean. Fred Rogan. Weekdays before Petros and Money. A USC All-American. USC's Rodney Pete. An NFL quarterback. Absolutely perfectly delivered by Rodney Rodney Pete. Available on the iHeartRadio app or on am570lasports.com. This is Rogan and Rodney. All right, let's do it. Fred Rogan, Rodney Pete on AM570 LA Sports. Uh, Rodney, why don't you start? Let's just get right to the <laughs> Lakers. You go ahead. Yeah, they looked uh, they looked sluggish, Fred. They looked, um, uh, you know, and, and, you know, we talked about this. How would they come out? I still believe that they're going to beat the Suns in the series. Um, but it, it was very evident, if you watch that game, that the Suns looked like the team and the franchise that hadn't been in the playoffs in 10 years, uh, playing at home for the first time for their fans, they were they came out and they were ready to play, rested and ready to play, whereas the Lakers looked very sluggish, like they were um, not quite ready for game one and the intensity and the energy that Phoenix was bringing, and it showed, and it showed. And, you know, it, I know it's game one. If you look back to even last year, uh, Lakers lost game one in, in a couple of those series in the bubble and came back to dominate the rest of the way. I think the, it, it's uh, it, it's going to be a challenge this time as opposed to the bubble, I believe, because we do, first of all, you're going to have the crowd and you got the home court and the energy that, that, that kind of gives you extra little boost if you're, if you're the Phoenix Suns or any team playing at home. But also I think the Lakers and Phoenix – Remember this, all Phoenix heard was this is the matchup the Lakers wanted. This is the matchup, oh, yes, this is favorable for the Lakers. If they could have any opening round opponent, it would be the Phoenix Suns. It's the easiest path for the Lakers. That's all they heard until the game. So they they were completely ready to play and I'm sure felt disrespected. The other thing I would say this, Fred, in in sports is that you, when you – are the superior team and you're the superior talented team and and you you're facing a team a young team like Phoenix you got to let them know that they have no chance and what happened over the weekend was Phoenix got life and a lot of life and I'm not just talking because Chris Paul is going to be there it doesn't matter who he's playing against he's going to have the life he's going to believe he can beat anybody Devin Booker is a he he is will go down as his career goes on as one of the all-time great scorers in this in this league. He's Steph Curry. He he, he can score the basketball any way, shape, or form. I, I like to uh, – he's more Kobe Bryant to me than he is Steph Curry because he can score in multiple ways. He can he's, – he's got a post-up game. He can get you down. He can do a lot of different things. But what they did was they gave life to the other guys. They gave life to Aiton. They they let Aiton. I don't say let because he did come to play and got to give him credit. But they gave him so much confidence that he can battle and hang with AD 
and Andre Drummond or whoever else they throw at him offensively and defensively. He gained so much confidence in game one that that is the thing that you have to be careful about because he is a talented player. And sometimes a lot of things are just mental. And the way he played, he was the best big man on the floor. Yeah, no question about it. Uh, all right, I think that's a fair assessment. So, And I think the Lakers win the series. I agree with you. I, I asked you to consider last season, the bubble. They'd lose some game ones in series. And that's normally when LeBron is just trying to scope things out, check things out, feel out the opponent, and then know how to attack him. Anthony Davis ought to be ashamed of himself. Bill Plasky wrote in the paper, yeah. and, and you hate this. So I'm going to say it. You hate this. And I've learned through you that it doesn't really matter. But in the paper, Bill Plasky wrote, for $190 million, for $190 million, you don't like that. It's not about the money at that point. It's about how you play, and you got to be ashamed. That was that was abhorrent. He didn't show up. He didn't. And it, Because when you say that, just real quick, when you say that, when you say for $190 million, uh, that's what you get. Well, when a guy making two million and he doesn't play well, you say, "Well, that's what you paid for." That's exactly. You're gonna say that. That's what Plasky said. No, I'm saying that, that's the that's, right. That's right. What, so you know you can't say okay. You can't expect okay. You expect out of LeBron and AD because they're making all the money, but don't expect anything out of this out guy. of Caruso, yeah. and don't expect anything out of Kuzma and these other guys. They're not making with LeBron and AD, so you're gonna get what you pay for. Right. Well, and even if that's the case, you didn't get what you paid for Sunday. With AD, it was a bad performance. He didn't show up. And the one thing you said is the key in all of this. He gave DeAndre Ayton life. He gave him confidence. He, Andre, <laughs> Anthony Davis has got to be the best player on the floor, best big man every game. Got to yep. be. That's it. You've got to be. That's your job. Yep. That's why you're there. Just like when the Lake, when the Dodgers signed you Darvish for that one game and he went right in the crapper. You're there for one reason and one yeah, reason. Yeah, but you Darvish wasn't. It wasn't like you Darvish was Trevor Bauer. Like they brought Trevor Bauer in right. to go seven, eight innings in the playoffs and dominate the opponent. Yeah. You Darvish was not, I mean, he was good. He was the best at the time. If we'd right. have brought in um uh Verlander, yeah, at that time, then you'd have said, Yes, yes, that's these he's the guy that can dominate a game and take over a game. But yeah, you I don't know. But Anthony Davis, yes. He that's, is that guy. That's why he's there. That whatever he gets paid, that's why he yeah. gets paid. He's there for that one specific reason. And you cannot, you cannot have these little mental lapses in playoff games. Well, you know, we're going to play seven games. I'll be there five of them. The other two, I'm not so sure what's going to happen. You can't do that. You don't have that ability anymore. You're not in New Orleans. You got to show up every game. And if you don't dominate, you sure better damn... Make sure that they know you're there. He was pushed around. He was kept outside. Look awkward. Didn't box out. Barely rebounded. I mean, it was a bad game. Let me put it like yeah. this. If it wasn't AD, Vogel would have yanked him from the game and sat him. But you couldn't because you had to have him. That's how bad a game he had. That doesn't work here. And that's been something we've seen with him. And that's being fair. We've seen this from him. Some nights he doesn't show up. You got to show up now. You've yeah. won one. There's an expectation level. You have LeBron. You're the other piece of the puzzle. 
The team is built around two guys. You're one of them. If LeBron doesn't show up, there's no win here. He's going to show yeah. up. He's going to. But show it won't up. be because LeBron didn't show up and didn't. You know, it, it'll be because LeBron's shooting was off or he, he didn't make sure. It won't be because he couldn't. He didn't defend someone or let somebody lesser of talent get the best of him. It won't be because of that. It'll be because he just couldn't make shots. Uh, you know, Golden State game where he was missing shots at point blank. He had an know, off night. Had an off night. Right. But it wasn't it wasn't because of dare I say kind of lack of effort or intensity or you know killer instinct which he didn't have and and it's it's let's say scary but it's frustrating when you have a guy like that with all that talent we see it we've seen it over the year you see it all the time that doesn't always come with it every single night in terms of the intensity with all that talent people criticize russell westbrook all you want but there is no question that he is coming to bring it every single night and every minute of every single game and you you you're watching it and you don't seem to feel or get that from ad all the time and again we don't know internally if he's still dealing with something health-wise, but, you know, you know, life is. You're on the court. We expect you to play and play at a high level. That's why people suggest, and actually watching with my son Josh yesterday, yeah, he used the term. You hate this term as well. You hate it. He's soft. He goes, he's just soft. Yeah. Look at him. He's soft. Jack, he's soft. I said, guys, I don't. we don't like that term. <laughs> we don't like that term. But right. you, you look at him, and it's like, what are you doing? Are you even here? Are you even in the game? You're the one they've yeah. got to go to. You're the one that has to make things happen. To be fair, the last time they played Phoenix, he went off during the regular season. He had a spectacular yeah. game. So you know that Monty Williams and no, his he's staff. he's capable. Right. Yeah, but Monty Williams and his staff looked at that tape and said, all right, now we're not going to let him do that again. Whatever happens, he ain't doing that again. So we're going to come up with some ways to try to contain him. All right, now, AD, it's on you to figure it out. It's on you not to make it happen. Because with no you, there's no championship. And you shouldn't have to be told that or taught that or have be reminded of that. After the game, he admitted it. He goes, I was terrible. Yeah, you were. Thank you. Yeah. You know, that sealed my bad. That one's on me. And you can be, and, and I guess this is, again, going back to the frustration. You can be bad or have an off night like we just talked about with LeBron and there's been other guys that have off nights. You can have off nights, but I think the the big frustration for at least for me and for Laker fans and and probably for some of his teammates is that have an off night being aggressive, have an off night you know going for it, have an off night. Give me the ball, let's go. And I miss some shots, but I'm gonna get mine. I'm gonna get mine off. I'm gonna be aggressive. I'm gonna call for the ball. Um, I'm the best big man on the floor, and I'm going to let you know it. Now, they may not all go in, but I am going to let you know that I can get my shot anytime I want to. And you're not going it's not going to be an easy night against me either because I'm going to block every shot. I'm going to make it difficult for you in the paint. And I think that's the, that's the big frustrating thing is that if you're going to have an off night, have it being aggressive. Having it being, I I am Anthony Davis, 
and I give me the ball, let's go. You know, and we don't see that. We didn't see that over the weekend. He, he made DeAndre Ayton look like we should put him in the Hall of Fame right now. He made DeAndre Ayton look like he is in the Hall of Fame. So don't sit there and go, well, Ayton's really good. Anthony Davis did nothing again. And Anthony Davis. You're not going to give Ayton any credit? I'm giving him some. Again. I'm giving him some. I'm giving him some. But not that. That's not who he should be in this series. And Anthony Davis is playing against the guy guarding him who's shorter than he is. Aiden yeah. had Drummond. Yeah. You know, he Anthony. Had, Cro- had Crowder on him. Right. Most of the, you know, a lot of that game. And, and that's when you're like, okay, give it to me. Everybody get out of the way. Right. And, and from a rebounding perspective, seven rebounds, really? Seven? How does that happen? What are you doing? Where are you? Where are you? It's one game, and it was chippy, and it was physical, and it was playoff basketball. Chris Paul got hurt. He wasn't coming out. He was back out no. there. LeBron took a tumble. Anytime LeBron goes down, it looks like he's been, you know, hit with a cannon. But he's okay. He got back up and played. I thought Caruso played well. Yeah. He wasn't afraid to mix it up. And then there was that little skirmish where Montrez Harrell came running in. Mm-hmm. The Lakers didn't back yeah. down. They they were very physical. But as you point out, Rodney, and this is the whole key, in doing what AD did in game one and the Lakers coming out lethargic and basically flat, it gave that young team a boost of confidence. And it told the Phoenix Suns, you know, we can hang with these guys. Yeah. We we're okay. We're okay now. We got them. Yeah. You got to end it early. You're absolutely right. That's what was disappointing about the overall performance. How can you even let them think this? You are better than they are, and you know you're better than they are, and you come out flat. Yeah. But I like in all series, you know, a lot of people that well, it's a pivotal game three, pivotal game five. I think the most important game in, in any series, it really sets the tone, or not sets the tone, but kind of gives you a, a picture of how it's going to go. Is really game two. Okay. Really game two because if you're the home team, you're going to come out with just in general, you're probably going to have more energy than the away team. It's just the, the excitement, the home crowd's going to, you're going to feed off of that. Uh, you're going to, the game would be closer if you were at a neutral site or playing on the road. So the home team, you know, you talk about home, home court advantage in game one. Yeah, I think there's a home court advantage for the home team in game one because there's an excitement of starting the series at home for the home crowd. It's the response in game two. Can the team that just won game one, the home team that just won game one, can they duplicate that? Or the, the visiting team that comes in and catches a home team by surprise, was that a fluke? Or can they duplicate that? Game twos to me are the biggest biggest games of the series in terms of how the series is going to go. So we'll see. I just think you expect more from the defending champs in an opening game. There was a rebound at one point. Kyle Kuzma was in the game. Phoenix guy shoots it. Ball kicks off. It's toward Kuzma. Kuzma doesn't even turn around. So here comes the ball. Then he turns to the basket. And by the time he turns, it goes right by his head back to the Suns. How many times, how many times did the Suns get that rebound inside? A lot. A lot. Guys weren't boxing out. Yeah. Just it, bad fundamentals. And, and and 
The Lakers, as poorly as they played, lost by nine points. They weren't blown out. You're not. They're not going to play much worse than that. Anthony Davis is not going to play much worse than that, and they only lost by nine. Think of it like that. So if Anthony, yeah. if and Aiden, you expect, and and on the flip side, is, is Aiden can Aiden play even that well all the time? Well, yeah. If there's nobody around him, of course he can. <laughs> he played with energy. He played with a lot of hustle. He was he was ready to go. I think he looked at that matchup and going, you know, he's a weak link in terms of big men in this game. So I, I think he was energized by. I was impressed by by Aiden because a lot of people felt the way you did, Fred, that he. Not as good as advertised, and, and I think that a lot of people, especially like a, a veteran guy like Chris Paul, got in his ear and said, hey, we need you. Show them show them who you really are, and and the success that he had, he gained so much confidence. But again, it's a supporting cast. Bridges on that team is a pretty good player. He can play. He can play. He can play. And it's not only just Devin Booker and Chris Paul. The, the, the key is how is Chris Paul going to be and I felt bad for him because he, he went down and he went down hard it was it was you know I don't know the, the full diagnosis or what it's going to be like but it was like a stinger that that he just you know shot down his arm and his neck and his head and he was clearly not the same after he came back couldn't, couldn't handle dribble the ball. couldn't handle the ball yeah. right the shots that he was shooting were not even I mean he was throwing them up there so it'll be interesting but I looked at him and and you could feel like, oh my God, there's no way in the world I could be hurt again in the playoffs. There's no, I, I got to find a way to get back into this game. And I think had he not had the history of kind of having some injuries in the playoffs, that he probably would not have come back in that game and sat it out. Because I think in his mind, mentally, he was like, man, I cannot be hurt again in the playoffs. I'm going to come back no matter what. First thing I thought, oh God. Yeah. Not again. First yeah. thing. Yep. Oh no, not again! Right, and and when he went back out on the floor, you know whether you like Chris Paul or not, first give him a ton of credit because he went back out there. Yeah, he really couldn't handle the ball. No, but he wasn't coming no. out of the game. Right, he was going to be on that floor in that game. Absolutely, unlike AD, who was on the floor but not in the game. Who <laughs> <laughs> was out there? God knows what he was doing. DeAndre Ayton, don't get me started. Yeah, he's fine. He's fine. Hell, I'd score 100 points if nobody was guarding me and I was able to get every ball. That'd be pretty easy, <laughs> don't you think? If the guys around me were just standing there, and I'll go get the ball. Not a problem for me. Yeah. You, you don't want it? I'll take it. But that's the thing we've been saying. We said that's in the bubble. Uh, last year going into the play, the, the, the only chance the Lakers have, everybody can play well and everybody can do their thing. LeBron's going to be LeBron. And... You know, KCP did play well. They had playoff Rondo. But AD had to be dominant. And he went into the playoffs last year, and he he was AD. He was dominant. Hit the big three. He was dominant. He was unguardable. And, you know, the other day he was guardable. He was guardable. Yesterday he was guardable. And you, you can't have those kind of skills and let anybody guard you. That's the mentality that you have to have. Uh, you know, Johnny Velez listens to the show all the time. Yep. He tweets. Hey, can you guys take your voice down a couple of octaves? The neighborhood dogs are going crazy. <laughs> all right. We'll take your Laker calls next hour. Kevin will do that. Next hour, we'll take some calls. We'll hear what you think. Also, Bill Orr will join us next hour. 
Later this hour, we're going to play Know Your Squad. The squad is the Lakers. We'll give you a cue to call. Up next, David Vassay joins us. At least Dodger fans have reason to smile. Oh, yeah. That's what I'm talking about, Ronnie. One of the all-time greats. Happy. 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 Birthday. And I don't like to name drop too often, Fred, but this one right here, Patty LaBelle, is a good friend of the family's, good friend of Holly's long before I met her. They go way back to being from Philadelphia and, and knowing each other back then. But Patty LaBelle, one of the best human beings on the planet. Lover. And if you haven't had Patty's sweet potato pies and Patty's peach cobbler from, I believe it's Walmart where they sell them, you're missing out. You're missing out because they are delicious. But happy birthday, Patty LaBelle. Love you. You can be proud about that. I oh, yeah. That out. That's my girl. All right. Uh, David Vassay now joins us. Dave, have you ever run into Patty LaBelle? Yeah, I was just about to say, um, I would say Rodney might be the only guy right now that has ran into Patty LaBelle and had all her great food. So, sorry, Rodney, not very relatable. <laughs> not very relatable, really. That's why, yeah. you know, they, they they sell out at Walmart, one of the best-selling things they have at Walmart, Walmart? for the last 10 years. You're acting yeah. like you got it fresh out of Patty LaBelle's oven Well, that there. too. Boy, he did. They, they were so good. They're so good that they had. She had to go commercial with him. I brought this but up yes. to Rodney a couple of years ago. Oh like, oh, you gosh. ever had Patty LaBelle's pie? He was like, oh my. you ever bought it from Walmart? He was like, ah, she made it for me herself. Like, yes. Okay. Yes. Cool. <laughs> nice. Yes. And then, and that happened. And then Kevin. And then you know, once I did know they were in war, I was like, oh yeah, we got to get them because I didn't believe they would be, you know, even close to what you know. And and of course, obviously, when you get them originally cooked by Patty, they're different. Mm -hmm. But they are still good. We get them and by the by the box load, by the truck load. Oh yeah, people Walmart. fight each other yeah. for those. I don't know, 100%. I've only had sushi with Colin Hay from Men at Work. That's my greatest <laughs> claim to fame. I you, hey Dave, did you look at you with his, with you his might googly eyes? That's my sandwich from, <laughs> from the guys down under. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Which eye were you looking at, Dave? <laughs> He's, come on, Rodney. Come, uh, that was Ronnie. That wasn't me. I didn't do that. <laughs> you guys Ronnie sound so shots. similar. <laughs> Hey, Dave, so did we see the real Giants and real Dodgers this weekend? Yeah, I kind of feel like uh, June is uh, the ground where everybody starts to decipher who are the pretenders and who are the contenders. And I think you saw that the Giants are still quite a bit away from matching the Dodgers' talent and their starting staff. And that's a place where they're really good at as well. So don't expect them to come to Dodger Stadium and play better because they're a better home team than they are a road team. Coming into that series, the Giants were 14-4 and at Oracle Park, and the Dodgers walk in there and sweep them and embarrass Anthony DiSclefani yesterday. So uh, if the Dodgers can continue that uh, next weekend for that four-game series against the Giants, taking three out of four, then maybe they'll put some doubt in their mind on how good they really are. Yeah, and, and you know, it was just what Mama ordered, uh, some, some good cooking at home. And then people were, you know, still skeptical. I don't know why they want to still be skeptical, I guess, because of the way the Dodgers had that stretch. But said, okay, wait till they play the Giants, and then they play somebody real because the Diamondbacks are not very good. Seattle's not very good. Okay, 
let's let's go play the the division leaders, the Giants, and see how what real the how the, the Dodgers really are. And they go sweep them, Dave. Are the, is this from the Dodgers standpoint exactly kind of what they needed, kind of getting back to what we want to see from the Dodgers? Yeah, well, pitching and defense, and their defense was abysmal during that 20-game stretch where they were 5-15. and 15. They lost three extra inning games, and a big reason why was their defense was so bad, and their bullpen wasn't really good either. So the starting staff has taken care of that by going into the seventh inning virtually every game, no matter who it is, and their defense has helped them. And I will say this. I'm not saying Gavin Lux is better than Corey Seager. I am certainly not saying that. But he is a better defensive shortstop than Corey Seager. He has made plays since last Sunday that Seager would not make, and that has been a big difference. What what do you got going on back there? Some Pringles, Rodney? What's going on over there? Yeah. Yeah, I do. (laughs) Matter of fact. (laughs) Yeah, he does. Bet you just can't eat one. No, that was a that was a note from uh, Corey Seager saying, "What the hell are you talking about, Dave?" Uh, is Patty Labelle <laughs> serving you right now? Is she serving you some sweet potato pie? No. He said, I, "I'm out of the lineup for a couple of weeks, and now you're already forgetting about me, Dave. I was the World Series MVP, and now you're already getting me out of the lineup, replacing me, Dave." Yeah, I'm not Corey. replacing. I'm not replacing you, Corey. I'm just saying uh, you're a great hitter, but you're defensively challenged at shortstop, and maybe want to consider a position change, um, but. The pitching and the defense has been the biggest reason. And consider this, guys. With all the injuries the Dodgers have had, including now Seager, there are 11 games above 500 and on the verge of getting back the former National League MVP and Cody Bellinger this upcoming weekend and a very important part of their roster, Zach McKinstry. So not only are they 11 games above 500, but they're about to get closer to being whole again. And that's not a good thing for the rest of the National League. And, you know, when you touch on Gavin Lux, it really is encouraging to see him now comfortable and performing as the Dodgers hoped and projected he would. He really looks comfortable and confident now. He's had a great month of May. Now he just has to sustain it, Fred. It's one thing to do it for one month. It's one thing to do it for his spring training, but he's got to carry this over. And once Seager does come back, which will be around the All-Star break, he's got to continue that when he's playing second base for the rest of the year. He can't allow the position to get into his head. He has flourished as a shortstop, his natural position. We can all see he's way more comfortable defensively and more confident playing that position than he is at second base. And in quite, uh, quite honestly, he has done a very nice job defensively at second, but he's a different player playing shortstop. But like Rodney reminded us, there is a World Series MVP that's coming back in July. Yeah, I think it's all better. You know, it's going to be better for everyone. Don't you think, Dave, that you know, because he's had extended playing time, meaning Gavin Lux, that he's they've allowed him to kind of go through that bad stretch, you know, like you talked about often. He takes the, what he does at the plate, takes it into the field. But they, he's gone through a bad stretch where he struggled at the plate. Now he's coming out of that. And it's the consistent, I think, everyday playing that is really helping him right now. And the Dodgers are going to benefit when when Corey Seager does come back. Rodney, I was told in spring training by people in the Dodgers front office that 
Gavin is one of those players that needs to have confidence, and the confidence carries over from his defense to his offense and vice versa. So he's one of those type of players that you have to keep up. He has to feel good about himself. And at some point, he's got to find a way to grow and mature and get out of that and roll with the punches and not let one bad play or one bad at bat carry over to playing defense or swinging the bat. So hopefully... That growth continues, and that's the beauty of him being on this Dodger team. Even with all the injuries, they really haven't moved him up in the order for the exception of yesterday. He's been hitting consistently in the seventh spot and the eighth spot, so he's been kind of hidden to go through all his uh, maturity and growth uh, without being depended on to be one of the guys, even with all these injuries. So that has benefited him as well. He has grown this year, and Julio Rios, wow. Woo. I I think he may yeah. – tell me if I'm a little out of control, Dave, but could he be the ace on any number of staffs in the National League? Without a doubt, Fred, without a doubt. Any of these guys, Bueller, Urias, uh, any of them. We all know Bauer and Kershaw could be. Uh, but, yeah, you're right, 100%. And I feel like he gets overlooked because English is not his first language. He's a very understated guy publicly. And I feel like a lot of times the media and the fans forget about how good he is and forget about the fact in the whole celebration of Kershaw, Turner, and Jansen, without Julio, the Dodgers don't even get out of the NLCS, let alone – uh, help them win the World Series. So this is not a surprise. This didn't come out of nowhere. This has been happening since the start of last regular season. Yeah, you're right. You you kind of almost forget about him until it's his turn to pitch, and then you go, oh, my God, he is dominant, and he is outstanding. But, Dave, on, on, as a whole, how scary is it that the Dodgers starting pitching is has been this dominant for the rest of the league, and they have not yet really hit their stride in other areas, meaning the bullpen, aside from Kenley, who's looking great. But, you know, the bullpen is, is, is struggled at times, but the dominance of the starting pitching for the rest of the league going forward, it's got to be scary because the Dodgers have yet to put it all together. Yeah, and Dave Roberts was really polite yesterday when he was asked about kind of the change in philosophy, philosophy it appears, allowing his pitchers to go deeper into games. Bueller threw 105 pitches in San Francisco. We all know about Bauer throwing 126. And he was very polite and dodged it quite nicely when he was asked whether or not it was a change in philosophy or a concerted effort to stay away from his middle relievers. He can't say that he's trying to stay away from his middle relievers, but we all know he is. He yeah. doesn't trust his middle relievers as evidenced by yesterday when Edwin Uceta, Dennis Santana couldn't throw a strike in an 11-5 game. So uh, the Dodgers need their starters to be this good, and more importantly, they need them to stay healthy. I heard Eric Carroll say he asked Dave Roberts over the weekend what keeps him up at night. And he said the health of my starting pitchers because he knows without those guys, even if one goes down, it would be traumatic to this Dodger uh, season. It, they would not be able to recover if one more starter goes down. Gonsolin is throwing down there in the minors. Uh, when he's healthy and ready, is he going to be put into the rotation? 
Yes, he is, Fred. He's going to be inserted directly from Oklahoma City. He threw three scoreless innings yesterday. The Dodgers would like to see him possibly make one more start. There is a chance that they call him up and allow him to pitch four innings in his first start, but... He was only supposed to go two innings yesterday, but he was so efficient with his pitches, he threw another inning. So he will make another start in Oklahoma City, and from there, he will more than likely be inserted to the fifth spot in the rotation. Hey, Dave, talk about talk about Kenley because is it is it the changes that he made? Is it is it you know he changed his walk his walkout music? Uh, he says he's pitching angry. Um, has is it those minor adjustments or is it just his focus, his mechanics? Um, what seems to be the, the the difference in Kenley so far? Number one, Rodney, he changed his off season workout to try to become more athletic, and he's talked about activating his hips to be able to you know have that free flowing delivery to the plate. That's number one. Number two, he's continued it. He's working really hard to be better each and every day. And number three, and maybe the most important thing is, he's recommitted himself to throwing his cut fastball. Everybody was trying to fix him and maybe say, you know what, the data shows that you should start throwing a slider, start throwing these other pitches. And Kenley said something to me earlier this season that I'm not sure many people are aware of. The cutter is a feel pitch. It's not just something that you throw once in a while. It's a feel pitch that you have to continue to throw to make it better. And I believe everybody just thinks that uh, Kenley is so gifted that he can throw this natural cutter without committing himself to it each and every time out there. And that's been the biggest difference for him. He has recommitted to throw his cut fastball and also play off of that with his two-seam fastball. That's the fastball you see elevated at 95 96 sometimes even 97 all right well i'll tell you something dave you always make us feel good when you come on well thank you fred i appreciate it who's gonna make you dinner tonight <laughs> not patty LaBelle. president obama coming over that's next week dave <laughs> dave's appearances on the show are brought to you by navian tankless water heaters dave thanks a lot thanks guys all right next hour laker insider right at the top of the hour Bill Orr will jump on. Next, we're going to play a little uh, Know Your Squad, 866-987-2570. The squad is the Lakers. So, jump online. Who on it? Somebody's getting it. Kevin will pick you up, put you right on the air. You're playing Rodney and Ronnie. Know Your Lakers next. And now another Rogan and Rodney. Oh, yeah. Afternoon delight. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, this is Freddy right here. This is right up Freddy's alley. Today, afternoon delight is Herculator by the City Girl. The hip-hop duo released the full version of this track last week after a clip of the song went viral on TikTok last year. Percolator was a long-lost track from the City Girl's 2020 album, City on Lock. Yet, despite being one of the strongest labels in music, Quality Control and Capitol Records were unable to clear Planet Rock, Africa Bambata, and the Soul Sonic Force, forcing them to leave the song on the cutting room floor. Now, nearly a year after it was supposed to hit the streets, the label was able to finally get clearance. And again, Freddie, today's afternoon yes. delight is Twerkalator by the City Girls.
percolator, pretty. Tell you what, I think about that. I just pulled a hamstring. That's a quick. Rogan and Rodney Roulette. Know your squad. Brought to you by our buddy Jacob and Ronnie. Okay, one in Mid City. Are you there? What's going on? Yeah, how you guys doing? We're doing good. How are yeah. you? Yeah, let's go, Juan. All let's right. go. Thank you, man. Happy Monday. Juan, Happy you Monday. ready on a Monday? You ready? Yes, sir. We're going to find out. Come on, Juan. Let's go. Ronnie, you ready? Happy Monday, Rogan and Rodney. I'm ready to play. Okay, Juan and Know Your Squad, I'll give you a question and five choices. Please let me give you all five choices. If you answer too soon okay. before all the choices are given, you're going to be locked out, all right? Got it. Let's do it. Here we go. Magic Johnson is the franchise leader in career assists. Who is second? Kobe Bryant, Jerry West, Norm Nixon, Gail Goodrich, or Gail Anderson? Kobe Bryant. Norm Nixon. It is Kobe Bryant. Rodney. Ronnie. Oh, sorry. Ronnie. <laughs> it is Monday. Uh, Shake know, it off. I, right? I, I didn't say nothing. Yeah, I know. You said that. You take it. <laughs> you know, when you, when you hear that, no, think about something for a second. When Kobe played, how often did we hear people say, oh, he'll never give up the ball. He'll never right. share the ball. All he wants to do yeah. is shoot. Yeah, I'm surprised. Yeah, and he is second in franchise history in assists. Yeah, and, and think about all the people that played for the Lakers, and he's second. Yeah. And played a long time for the Lakers. Including Gail Anderson, who was one of the choices. <laughs> right after Gail Goodrich. Who's it? Juan, where, where are you, Juan? I'm listening. I'm just, I just got caught off guard. You guys are going to jump out of there, and I was okay. I got to realize now that yeah. once that fifth name comes out, I got to just shoot out my guess. Yeah, but I, it sounds like you're riding a motorcycle while you're talking to us. You know what? Let me get you guys off speaker because I'm driving, but I'm about to park right now. Okay. All right, perfect. Yeah, don't. Got it. I'm don't ready. hold the phone if you don't park. All right, now you ready? Yep. Okay, let's go. Lakers went 15 and one in their postseason run to the NBA title in 2001. Kobe and Shaq led them in scoring that postseason. Who was their third leading scorer? Ron Harper, Horace Grant, Derek Fisher. Tyron Lue or Tyrone Biggums? Ron Harper. Derek Fisher. Derek Fisher. Oh, no. Derek Fisher. Rodney. Got in just ahead of Juan. Ah. It's all right. It's all right. You were right there. Right there. Close. Here's the third one. Lakers missed the playoffs for the first time in eight years in 2013. Who led the team in games played that season with 79? Jody Meeks, Wesley Johnson, Jordan Hill, Nick Young, or Neil Young? Wesley Meeks. Jody Meeks. No Nick Young. No, Nick Young. Young. How about new? Nigga Johnson. Wesley Johnson. <laughs> Who? <laughs> Ronnie. Wesley Johnson. No. I, I said you Wesley said, Johnson. I, could, I thought you said Lyndon Johnson. Yeah, you, I, heard. I heard you go Lyndon <laughs> Johnson. <laughs> Ronnie Johnson. And then <laughs> earlier, <laughs> Ronnie, said, Ronnie said Wesley Matthews, I think, or something else. <laughs> it wasn't even an option. It wasn't Nick. Damn. No, it wasn't Nick. Lyndon <laughs> <laughs> Johnson. It, it, it didn't work? No, you take didn't that What's no. a score for it? All right, so here we go. Ronnie has two. Rodney has one. Come on, Juan. Let's get on the board on this one, all right? All right. Okay. Which of these coaches holds the record for most losses in Los Angeles Lakers history? Most losses. Bill Jackson, Pat Riley, Byron Scott, Del Harris, or Del Taco? Del Harris. No, Bill Jackson. Byron Scott. Bill Jackson. Rodney. Uh, Pat Riley. Rodney. Phil Jackson. Yeah. What's the matter, Juan? I don't know, bro. I'm breaking out. I thought I was expecting to hear Dan Tony's name. 
<laughs> right. Didn't even make the list. <laughs> yeah, buddy. Okay, here's your next one. Who holds the franchise record for highest field goal percentage in a single season when he made 72% of his shots? JaVale McGee, Wilt Chamberlain, Montrez Harrell, Dwight Howard, or Howard the Duck? Wilt Will Chamberlain. Chamberlain. Wilt Chamberlain. Everybody had Wilt Chamberlain. I think it's Ronnie first. No, 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 I'll no. I'll check no, the tape no. on that one. That was close. No, yeah, no, it was close. No, no. Check it wasn't even close. I don't think it was Daddy. Daddy. I don't think it yeah, was Daddy. It was Daddy. I don't know, Rod. Daddy. I have a good feeling about this one. You do? All right, well. Did I get that one? No, no one. It was <laughs> Ronnie or Daddy. You were right. <laughs> <laughs> they got in a little sooner than you did. Oh, man. You guys you guys got no microphone to over there. You guys are sitting next to each other. Actually, we're not. They're <laughs> sitting next to each other. <laughs> None of us are in the same room. I'm having fun. Exactly. That's all that matters. We're having fun right now. Well, well, right on, wait, right let's, on. Let's check the tape. Maybe we're wrong. Here we go. Dwight Howard or Howard the Duck. Will what Chamberlain. Will what Chamberlain. Chamberlain. Will Chamberlain. Will what Chamberlain. Chamberlain. Will Chamberlain. Ooh. Ooh. Will Chamberlain. Ooh. See, there, there you were, Juan. But it was... Jesus. <laughs> wait, wait, we got to figure out who won this one. He wasn't Ooh. a choice. Will what Chamberlain. Chamberlain. Kevin. So part of me says Ronnie got in like 0.1 seconds before Rodney, but it was so close. I'm willing to give it a tie. You going to take that, Ronnie? I'm willing to give it a tie. Okay, Daddy, you got a tie. <laughs> 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 Thank you very much. Thank you. All right. Appreciate that. So here's the last one. One, get on the board here. Uh, All right. And let's see. Rodney and Ronnie are tied. So a lot at stake in this one. Which of these players did not wear number zero while playing for the Lakers? Kyle Kuzma, Nick Young, Anthony Peeler, Orlando Woolridge, Orlando Bloom. Nick Young. Orlando Woolridge. Peeler. Peeler. No oh, one got it. It was Peeler. One oh, yeah, got Peeler. I got one. Peeler won. He wore one, didn't he? Yes. Something like that. Juan, you did it, man. You got on the board. Good job. Will I win? Nothing. <laughs> is, that, is that the game, or are we still going to do another one? No, we're done. Juan, well, let's keep it going, Juan. Right, well, I'm with you guys, man. I hope you guys have a beautiful Monday. Lakers will Juan. get the Suns in five. All right. We're with right you, Juan. Juan. Hey, Juan, thanks for listening, man. You made our day. Appreciate it. No doubt, man. You guys have a beautiful day. Okay. Uh, you know, just looking at this question real quick. Who wears number zero? I, it's just me. I know it's just me. I don't like anybody. I don't like the number zero. I, I've never yep. liked that number. You know, it's like Orlando Woolridge. I don't like. I don't yeah, like don't number like zero. zero. Do you, Rodney? A guy that's not a big fan of zero. No, yeah. not a big fan of zero. Not even a big fan of double zero. Yeah, it's like why would you double be zero is even worse to me. Zero. You don't ever yeah. want to be zero. You don't right. want to be known as a zero. I, I just don't get that. Agent Zero. Yeah. That's what, by the way, no. the reason Gilbert Arenas picked number zero is because one of his high school coaches told him that he was a zero and went out him out to anything from a basketball standpoint in his career. Ooh. It's always a story behind it. So he used it as motivation for him. This is why he chose zero. Yeah, well, he made a lot of money. Sure did. Is he still getting paid? I don't think so. <laughs> but he had a very successful NBA career yeah. and was a second-round pick out of Arizona, too, by the way. Yeah. Another chip on his yeah. shoulder. Yeah. It was the uh, basketball Bobby Bonilla. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know what got him in trouble playing cards? That's oh. what finished Gilbert. Having Arena. guns. And having guns. <laughs> playing cards and having guns.
You kids out there, that's not a good combination. <laughs> All right, we're going to open the phone lines next hour for you Laker fans. Not at the top. We'll do it a little bit later on in the hour. And up next, we'll bring on our Laker insider, Bill Orme.